Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Welcome, everyone. I'm Steve Clear. Thanks for joining us at another Next Level Brands Podcast. Our show today is brought to you by Next Level Brands CPG Community, a merger of the experience of Next Level Marketing and the educational resources of Kitchen to Shell. Next Level Brands Community brings together CPG entrepreneurs at all stages of growth, providing knowledge, training, courses, and networking, not only with fellow entrepreneurs, but also key partners in the industry, including packaging, finance, and e-commerce. More details are available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's, nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. Welcome to today's show. This is Steve Clear. We've got a great program lined up for you today. We're going to focus on getting trial for your products, especially in light of restrictions due to the pandemic. My guest today is Analia Krebs. She is the founder and CEO of Social Nature, a product discovery and trial platform in the Better For You space. Since 2015, Social Nature has helped over 500 food and health brands launch their products into retailers like Whole Foods, Sprouts, Walmart, and more. Today, with almost 1 million shoppers across North America using Social Nature, to help them make their switch to better products, they can now help to hope to achieve their health and lifestyle goals easier. Analia is also a frequent keynote speaker on next-gen retail marketing, DTC marketing, natural products, and consumer health trends. And when she's not trying to grow the green economy, she can be found hiking, rock climbing, and paddling throughout the Pacific Northwest. Welcome to the podcast, Analia. Thank you so much, Stephen. Happy to be here. Um, let me start off by asking uh, real quick about... Um, we're going to go in a little bit more in depth into social sampling and what it does. What did you do beforehand and how did you get into social sampling? Yeah, so it has been about a 10-year journey, I have to say. And uh, this is my third business. So right out of university, right out of business school, um, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I <laughs> came out to the to the world and said, I want to do something big here. And I want to, I want to, you know, business seems to be where it's at. This is where the action is. Uh, and I want to have an impact with the work that I do. So I um, was really inspired by the green and sustainable businesses that I saw um, in, in the world. Nature's Path was one of the first companies that crossed my radar yep. as a student and loved loved their advocacy for the certified organic movement and um, and thought, how can I help grow the green economy? That's really what I wanted to be a part of. And, and at the time, this is dating back to 2008, there wasn't really a interesting green business directory. So that's where I started fresh out of school. <laughs> you know, I was just like, I'm interested in researching this space. I want to understand where all the cool green businesses are. So I just started making a list and that list evolved into a website and that website started attracting visitors to it. And, uh, and so it grew from there and, and we had, uh, and we, and I loved interviewing different founders and really trying to understand what their story was and how they wanted to participate in the change. And it was actually called thechange.com, this website. And so um, what it didn't have was a very good business model. So <laughs> and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, yeah. well, okay. really excited to get out there and promote green business, but um, lesson learned, talk to the customer and, and you know ask them what they'll pay for. So... <laughs> Right. So, yeah. so that's that's what then led to um, my next business, which was in the same space. Promote, you know, I love promoting green businesses, and uh, and so it evolved into Ethical Deal, 
which was nicknamed by the media uh, as a green Groupon. And okay. so very similar, you know, green daily deal business model as Groupon, but then focused on eco-friendly offerings that you could, you know, take part in in your city. So whether it was mm-hmm. restaurants or organic spas or uh, natural paths, we were just here to introduce you to the greener choices in your city at 50% off. And that business grew. Uh, we promoted over 1,000 local green businesses and uh, had hundreds of thousands of, of, of shoppers using it to, to make those greener choices. Um, and, and I ran that business for five years, uh, sold the business. And then the next, uh, piece was really what led me to social nature. And, uh, and it was really the transition from introducing people to the greener choices in their city to then moving into the greener choices in their home and helping people discover, you know, what's a better for you breakfast item or what's a more eco-friendly cleaning detergent, things that, you know, the everyday shopping choices that we make. So right. that was the 10 year story that led to, to, <laughs> to social nature in about three minutes. <laughs> and, that, and that's right. I mean, yeah. Third, third time is the charm, by the way. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I had three agencies. It took the third one to do it, do it right. Um, but the, the idea of, of course, you know, green and, and or, organic, better for you, all of these things has been a, 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 has had a huge lift in recent times. And, and part of that has come from where when you used to say green or sustainable, people would think about, oh, a Birkenstock wearing, you know, person who lives up in the hills off the grid or whatever. But when we kind of moved to better for you, although it, 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 it did cause some of the bigger companies and stuff to kind of get into the space. But what it does, it made a lot more people aware of the fact that A, there were choices, mm-hmm. right? And B, um, you know, that you can try some of the stuff and, and, and C, compare it to whatever you're using now. You can, you can do all those things. It, it makes it much easier. So when you started out, did you, did you sit down and do a business plan? Did you sort of morph from the idea of couponing to sampling to how'd you make that transition? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I first started out, really, it was uh, just how can I tell these these brands and company stories? Like I just kept falling in love with every local green business that I came across. And so for me, it started from a storytelling place, from an education place. And, and so that's where I started with, with the directory. And then after um, learning the hard lesson that I did that, you know, I probably should have had more of a business plan when I first started <laughs> um, than, than just, you know, blindly being pursuing my passion. Um, but, but, you know, it was a, such a valuable lesson to learn at age 25, right? My first, with my first business. So I ended up calling up my customers and simply, you know, asking them that question. I'm promoting you on my website. I'm telling you, you know, I'm telling your story. What's next? Like, what else are you having problems with? Just because, you know, I just came from this, you know, innocent place of wanting to help promote these businesses and doing what I could, you know, at age 25 to help them grow. That would be just pure, you know, passion and and, and interest in, in growing the green economy. And so they told me the answer. They said, drive me customers, drive me customers through my doors that will pay for my products. Right. And so from there, I, I went away and I started researching different, you know, at first, of course, I looked at e-commerce models. That was, that was one of the ways, but I was 25. I had student debt. You know, I could not wrap my head around having enough capital to purchase 
tons of products um, and store them in a warehouse and ship them to consumers. That just, I just didn't have money for that. So I started thinking of how else can I drive customers into these, you know, local vegan restaurants and local eco-friendly clothing companies stores. And that's really where um, the business model that was made famous by Groupon um, was the right business model to do that. Um, And, and so that's really where um, I, it, it shifted and I started using that daily deal, 50% off uh, online coupon model to drive uh, consumers into, into restaurants, into spas. Again, always the greener choice. Um, but that, that worked, right? That limited time offer it was a 24 hour daily deal. At oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Off. Yep. Right? yep. Get it now or lose out. And so we would sell out frequently. And, um, and, and so that's, that's, that was re- working really well. And then it was about year four of running ethical deal when, you know, in one of my annual surveys with the community members, I asked, you know, Hey, what else can I do? How else can I, um, help you live a greener lifestyle. And yeah. that's when they actually more or less gave me the idea to, to move, you know, into their home with, with products. And what was interesting is the 50% off daily deal model didn't actually translate from the local service-based businesses that were my customers to manufacturers. When I started talking to Nature's Path, for example, and said, hey, can we do a 50% off daily deal? They're like, no, my retailers would uh, not be so happy with that. You know, ethical deal would then be competing with Whole Foods. And, you know, that's not going to work for me. So, but I can give away, I can give away the product for free. And that was really the aha moment and, and, you know, change in business model uh, from going from the coupon space, the discount space into the free trial space. Because from the retailer's perspective, you know, we're now driving them sales. We're driving them traffic for traffic. Um, and we're not taking away, you know, any, any uh, money, uh, money from them. So uh, that, was, that was then, you know, another business model shift. And so that's when I sold Ethical Deal and started Social Nature. Because it really also started, for me, it was one more step into the direction of helping build the green economy. Now I'm, now I'm in people's homes. Now I'm in, I'm influencing what's in people's grocery baskets on their weekly shopping trip. Like that just felt like one more step towards making green mainstream. And that's always been what's driven me. So in, in, in that, in that beginning, you have some, you had some, obviously some, some favorite brands and stuff at that point in time who had distribution in mm-hmm. stores already. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of the idea is to try to get people who are either shopping those stores already to try that particular product or people who may be shopping somewhere else, but would change where they're shopping if they could go find that product, find the, the product that meets their, meets their needs. Yeah. And Nature's Path had a pretty good distribution. So right, maybe that's pretty, but, but how did you go about finding, did you just like go to Whole Foods and go, okay. I can contact all these guys because I know they need to drive more, you know, more, more velocity at Whole Foods. Yeah. You know, my grocery shopping trips have never been the same since <laughs> launching Social Nature. Every, you know, yeah, a Whole Foods trip, every single one of those products, you know, I want to help grow. And so um, 
that is, <laughs> you're not very far from the truth. Um, I definitely went to the grocery stores for, for inspiration on, on, you know, brands that I could contact. Uh, certainly, you know, as, as I grew a team around me, um, we would go to the Expo Wests of the world and, sure. um, and all the trade shows to, to also discover new natural, better for you brands in the space. Um, and, and then from there, of course, we built out a whole marketing team and, and now, now we're a 30 person company. Uh, so, so it's not me just, you know, looking for, for brands anymore in the grocery store. <laughs> right. And trying to do it. I know. So my, my, my wife says, how can you spend three hours in a grocery store and not buy anything? I'm so honey, <laughs> you gotta, I gotta take a picture of this display. Why? Because yeah. how did they get that display? I don't understand how that right? happens. I, um, I love going to the grocery store. Yeah. But a little bit of chicken and eggs. So when you're doing something like that and your aim is to obviously connect with people who are out of store at this point, mm -hmm. right? Um, did you have from your couponing, did, did you have a, a list of people you could contact or did you get a list from the manufacturers or how does it, how did that work in, in, in the physical and information sense? Yeah, Sure. So when I sold Ethical Deal, I sold everything. I sold my community, you know, my 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 customers, uh, you know, that that revenue that was associated to that everything. So I did have to start from scratch. Um, but I, you know, on your third business, things pick up a little faster than usual. You know, you know how to set up the business and all the legal and finance stuff. That's, you know, you can do that in your sleep. And so you, there's this there's this interesting acceleration that happens in your third business where. Uh, a lot of those lessons that you've learned um, and a lot of those resources that you had to find, you now know where to go. So um, with Ethical Deal, my, my, the business pre previous to social nature, you know, I had to be really scrappy with how I grew my community. Again, I was a student, you know, 26 years old uh, after the change when I launched Ethical Deal. I had zero money. I had student debt. So I was going, you know, I was approaching I was doing influencer marketing, you know, before it was cool. I would be talking to, to, to bloggers and saying, hey, can you promote these deals and these products? I used the same techniques when I first started Social Nature. I grew, I reached out to 100 eco-friendly lifestyle bloggers. And I said, hey, uh. when, when I have a product, you know, that, that I'm going to be sampling on Social Nature, can you talk about it to your followers? And of course, your followers are going to be the first to know about it. So your followers can get a free sample. They can get, be first in line. Um, and, and they said, sure, because they're always looking for content um, and giveaways and things like that for their audience. And it was a great way to seed the community because these were mission aligned. You know, these were the people that I knew if they're following, you know, a vegan lifestyle blogger or. Yeah. Hello. These are the people that are going to buy these products. Right. So, so um, that's honestly how I seeded the community. And then from there, uh, with my previous business, Ethical Deal, I had a very successful refer a friend program. Um, and so I knew that was something I wanted to implement in my next business with social nature. And so I, I did something similar. And at every single touch point of the consumer journey, when they come to socialnature.com and they explore products, I'm asking them to share. On sign up, I'm asking them to share. When they click on a product that they're interested in and they apply to try that sample, I say go share on Twitter and Facebook and email. When they go to and get the sample and, and try the product and I, and I ask them to come back and write a review, I ask them to share the review on Facebook and Twitter and by email. 
um, if there's a discount associated with the product as a post-trial incentive, I ask them to share the discount with their friends. So honestly, through all, like there's four touch points around sharing one of them, one of them is going to convert. <laughs> uh, and so uh, with social nature, I was able to grow um, largely organically for the first couple of years. Um, we grew to half a million users with no paid ad spend. And it's only been recently that Whoa. we're starting to do paid ad spend. Yeah. Wow. And, and yeah. And so what we should do is we should hire, forget the sampling, we should hire you to build the, the, the <laughs> mailing lists, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, I've done it a couple times now. One thing is, and you and I have talked before about doing some stuff for people that are like in the next level tribe and stuff. So so I'm afraid I'm a little bit ahead of the audience in this, but can you just briefly outline kind of how social sampling works if I'm a manufacturer who wants to take advantage of it? Sure thing. So... First of all, we want to understand, you know, where where are you sold? What retailers um, are you distributed in? We work with a lot of emerging brands that only have regional distribution. That's fine. Uh, just give us a list with your zip codes and your retail store addresses. We'll suck that into our system and we'll find people that live near and shop at those stores. From there, you decide what products you want to sample. Um, so a lot of our clients are actually perishables, frozen products, um, things that are traditionally quite hard to sample because the unique thing about our program is we're not sending out physical product samples. We're sending out free trial VIP coupons to get people into the store right. and, 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 and get that product off the shelf um, with, with a free trial offer. So you do need to be prepared to give your product away for free, you know, and to pay that MSRP back to the retailer um, so that there is that very real product cost to be aware of. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I so much prefer giving a free trial away than giving a discount away. Like a free trial, you know, you're not going to get twice. A free trial is like a new customer special, a discount. You train me to, you know, buy you on a discount. I'm going to buy you on a discount all day long. So it's just a very interesting, different kind of consumer consumer behavior um, that I think sampling uh, supports. And and so yeah, and so yeah. So free trial. You know, we can introduce you to a coupon clearinghouse if you're not already using one. Most of the brands we work with already have that sorted. Uh, and then we take care of obviously recruiting those those consumers you can add on additional layers of targeting because we're, we're starting the discovery process online. You know, what's your wish list? Who do you want? Is it, you know, female age 25 to 45 in California shopping at Whole Foods um, and she frequently buys in your category? We can find those people. Um, right. right. So, so the targeting is part of the, part of the process as well. And, and again, for, for the audience, um, we talk about VIP coupons and stuff. So the, the origin, the VIP coupon many, many years ago was, is a coupon that's basically good for a free, a single free product, right? Of any SKU or whatever that's carried or specific ones, you can do that too. But the idea was that salespeople used to carry these around with them and give them to VIPs. They used to give them to store managers and store personnel and other people, or they go to a dinner or a golf tournament because it was just, it was to get you a free product. And somewhere along the line, somebody figured out that as the cost of in-store sampling and demoing began to rise, that even though, yes, you are responsible for the full shelf price of the product, right, from the, the, the retailer, 
uh, to, to pay back the retailer. The truth of the matter is, is that the big, big guys figured out a long time ago that it's actually cheaper to do VIP coupons than it is to pay for in-store sampling mm-hmm. in terms of the number of people you touch, the number of whatever. And unlike in-store sampling, where you run the risk of the fact the person may not know the temperature to put it at or the or you just get a little sip in the in the little cup thing or you used to in the cup is you get the bottle. Okay, you get to take it home and use it. You get to go home and prepare it according to the directions, not according to the little, you know, stove we have in the in the store. So it it makes for a better consumer experience in that Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plus, to a nominal extent, it helps drive velocity at the store level. So, right. We should acknowledge that that's, you know, that's certainly a a good part of it. So did you did you start out? Did you start out looking uh, for products that you had already been involved, well, maybe not involved with from the, the couponing standpoint, but did you kind of have your favorite brands and pick them out and go, okay, I'm going to ask these people and see if they're interested? More or less. Yeah. I mean, Nature's Path was one of them. Vega was another one of them. Uh, so, I mean, by now, Food and Bev is the is the most sampled category in in. Um, on our website, but since then we've expanded to supplements, beauty and personal care products. Um, we've even done some pet products. <laughs> hey, so, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so, but but Food and Bev is very popular. Um, and again, a lot of sampling companies, you know, the, the boxes and so forth, you don't get to try the ice creams. You don't get to try all the perishable stuff. So with social nature, so much of our, you know, you can get, frozen pizza you can get you know vegetarian burritos you can get all the all the things you normally would in a grocery store because we're just sending you into the grocery store right it's Uh, (laughs) not a logistical it's not a logistical nightmare of trying to get this stuff out there which is yeah it it is i mean especially true for beverages beverages you know they're extremely hard to sample right right now especially so we do a lot of work in the beverage category too yeah yeah and then, so once the consumer goes to the store, they find the product, um, they go back home, they enjoy it. Then the second part of our program c- kicks in, which is all about the uh, reviews and, and you know, the social side of it. Uh, so they come back onto social nature, they write a product review, um, they'll even um, give you their email address. They So there's an option to opt into the brand's newsletter. So brands can quickly grow um, their newsletter lists as well. Right. And uh, and then we ask the you know we ask the consumer if you'd like to share this in social media, um, take a picture, take a picture, you know, enter a contest, and so the brand even gets some additional brand awareness. Right, just it builds out from there. It's really really great. It's good. Yeah. Um, so when when you started your your list, uh, you were going out there, influencers, other people, and stuff, and then you mentioned the referral program. So the referral program worked obviously in this business too. It did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the trick there really is to to ask for it multiple times throughout the, the, the journey. We have it in the sign up journey. We have it in the apply to try journey. We, we have it when they write a review. We have it when they get a discount. Everything that we give them, we ask them to share with their friends. And so, um, you know, usually one out, one out of those four actions is done by, by our members. And so that does lead to uh, massive, uh, massive growth. I, I mentioned we grew our first half a million members uh, more or less through either the refer a friend, 
the blogger outreach um, or just, you know, organic traffic. I mean, because a lot of our products on social nature have reviews associated with them, Google loves us. So uh, <laughs> we do get yeah. a lot of, you know, people just searching for whatever it is, you know, gluten-free bread reviews um, or, or things like that and stumbling across social nature. So um, year round, we're, we're just driving discovery for, for better for you brands if they're on, on socialnature.com. Now, you don't have to mention any names, but if you had any bad sampling experiences where the product that they're actually trying to get the consumer to buy, the consumer buys, tries and goes, oh my God, I'm not buying this again. There has been, there has been. Um, you know, the one that comes to mind, no names mentioned, uh, was a, uh, a vegan jerky product. Oh. So, okay. you know, yep. those are hit or miss, <laughs> depending on, depending on the ingredients you use and, and all the things, but it was a new product by this brand and, and, uh, you know, and they decided to do a very, a fairly large campaign actually on this very new product. Um, and so, yeah, they, they did get some, some feedback about, you know, like it smells like dog food and, um, <laughs> just some, oh, some, you know, oh. some not, yeah, mm. some not so nice commentary, um, and so, you know, the head of marketing, I remember speaking with him and, and he was, he was very gracious. He's like, all right, you know, this was the feedback we needed to go back to the R and D team and revamp this. I mean, it wasn't, hey, by the way, yeah, <laughs> this is an accurate. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it wasn't quite the marketing campaign he was hoping for from, from that standpoint, but it was a very useful R and D lesson and, 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 so now actually, you know, since, since we had that experience a number of years ago, we do advise our clients, you know, if you haven't done a lot of focus group or testing on this, if it's so new, um, right, right. Be let's, careful. Just, let's just do a smaller campaign first before we blow it out of the water. <laughs> um, and then we can scale up. Uh, but, you know, it really depends. Each brand, um, you know, they have their different approaches for bringing products to market. Some have really done a ton of focus groups, a ton of user research ahead of, ahead of the launch, and they're ready to go, you know, yes, let's just get this product out to as many people as possible. And those are usually pretty safe bets. <laughs> um, and the other thing is we're not, we're not, this is not a spray and pray sampling approach. This is highly targeted, right? So the people right. that we are asking to try these products are that brand's ideal consumer. Right. Um, so yeah. there's that also as a safety protection measure, you know, there's, we are, t we are really going in with the targeting and people are opting in as well. So generally speaking, you know, you're going to opt into something you're at least curious to try. Yeah. Yep. And then for, uh, in terms of feedback and stuff, um, you guys are monitoring that feedback and, and the social and stuff. Do you do a report back to the client and stuff and say, Hey, this is what we picked up. This is, you know, likes, dislikes, these are the keywords, that type of thing. Yes, that, and that's really um, just gotten better and better every year in terms of the, the amount of data we can share back to our clients. So we now have, they all have access to an online portal where they can go in and just see the reviews coming in in real time. They don't even need to wait for us to, to give them a formal report. They just log in, they can sort the, the product ratings so, you know, okay. every customer, as many five stars, you know, five out of five stars as they get, they're always like, oh, I want to see what that one out of five is. It's just human nature. <laughs> so yeah. you have the ability to slice and dice the reviews and to jump to, you know, the different layers of feedback that there will be. 
Um, you have the ability to export your reviews and add them to your website, which nowadays, you know, most brands are selling online. So right, get those right. reviews on your own website. Um, and then, uh, and then all of the survey feedback that we include in the sampling, the pre-trial survey feedback, the post-trial survey feedback, all of that's, um, available as well. And this is where, um, we've really, we, we more or less act as con- like almost insights consultants on these surveys, um, really just understanding with, with brands, you know, what do you, what do you want to know there? You're going to have thousands of people answering the survey. I mean, that's a significant statistically relevant sample size. Right. Um, right. So let's, let's treat this as a market research project. Well, and, and also from a data standpoint, much more reliable than um, let's bring you all into a room, sit you down and here's the little cup size thing. And to tell us about what you think about the color and the smell and whatever, as opposed to, Hey, I opened this up. I had it at home. Wow. Or not. Wow. But, yeah. you know, whatever it is, much, much cleaner, I think, in the, you know, even though even though, yes, they are kind of chosen by the fact that they want to try the stuff and they are going to be social about it and what they may have some preconceived opinions. But if they're your target audience, that's your target audience. Right. So you want to yeah. Yeah. hear from them for sure. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, recently, we actually we actually partnered with um, a, a broker, um, Alliance Sales and Marketing, uh, and we did a, a presentation where the topic of the presentation was how to create a winning uh, retail pitch deck. And, oh, cool. uh, and so Alliance, of course, has a lot of expertise there. Um, and they also recognize that our insights from these sampling campaigns could be used in retail buyer pitch decks. Hello. And so it was a great collaboration. We, you know, we, we, we created a template around that with, with their support. And um, we had about 200 brands show up for that webinar, a very top of mind topic. Uh, and so that's kind of the next level now that we're going to is, is really being strategic with what are the questions and answers that, you know, you want when you show up at that retail buyer meeting to get your new product on the shelf or your next product, you know, you're trying to get another product on the shelf and then, you know, with, with that in mind, what do they need to know? And so this is where, um, you know, we were learning through that process as well. And, and we learned that one of the things retail buyers, um, you know, get excited about is if you can introduce people, you know, new to the category uh, into, into right. you know, into the mix. And so knowing that's one of the things they care about when we launch a product sampling campaign for a newer product, uh, you know, we're asking, category usage. We're asking category, you know, how, and how frequent do you purchase in that category and what other brands do you purchase in that category? And um, if you're, you know, if this is a particular type of product, is there anything you're switching from? And so with that, with those data points, and we asked that before someone's even tried the product. So this is just kind of an interest, right? Like consumer, consumer demand kind of uh, survey when someone shows an interest in the product and those data points have helpful we know from our clients in in retail presentations and that's one of the things that huge retailer concern um like with kroger with its you know a very very large customer transactional database right with the loyalty card is they would look at so you're a consumer and you know what the typical consumer buys when they go to the grocery store so you can go down through and mark off category by category by category all of a sudden wait a minute they don't buy 
this category. They haven't bought this category in the last three trips. That means they're buying the category somewhere else. Where are they buying it? Trader Joe's? Are they buying it at Walmart? Are they, but, and they spot that and then begin to feed promotions to that retail, to that customer rather, to, you know, come back in and, you know, while you're in the store, hey, why don't you just take a look, you know, at our frozen food aisle instead of buying whatever you're buying at Trader Joe's or wherever you're, you know, wherever it's happening. It's, it's a huge, a huge thing for a retailer to be able to look at that type of real information, um, you know, from somebody, especially if they've sampled the product and they're working with it. Um, Emily, real quick, where, uh, where can people find out more information about social sampling? They can go to socialnature.com and uh, yeah, that's our community facing website and, and hopefully they'll find some free product samples that appeal to them on there and just give it a whirl from, from a consumer standpoint. And then if they're interested in, in getting in touch with us around their, their brand, um, there's, they can just contact us at marketing. Con- contact and I'm sure someone will be in touch with them. Yeah. So um, without giving away trade secrets and stuff, what, uh, uh, What's down the road for social nature? What are you guys going to be doing? Yeah. So I kind of hinted at it in the, in the sense of um, really leaning more into how we can use our insights to um, help brands succeed on the shelf, like getting their products on the shelf. Um, so, you know, with the sampling, we're, we've gotten really good at getting products off the shelf and into the consumer's basket. Um, and so when, as we start working with more emerging brands, it's really often uh, I'm just trying to get my product on the shelf, <laughs> you know, and exactly. so how, how can you help me with that? And, and so, um, yeah, we're going to be really leaning more into our, our consumer insights capabilities. You know, we have a database now of almost a million, um, uh, shoppers, uh, you know, we know where they shop, we know what they like, um, we know what categories they, they purchase frequently. And so introducing new products, um, into that mix and quickly getting feedback, um, on those products or even concepts um, is one way that we can help um, certainly the emerging brands um, and arm them with some data to bring to the retailer. So, so focusing on that in the future um, and then just really, you know, grow, just continuing to, to grow and work with more brands. My vision is really to have Social Nature be the launch platform for, you know, every single better for you brand uh, in North America and hopefully the world to, to, to then get their products out into the marketplace, help them grow and help them connect with the consumer. And there's, and there's a lot of great, I mean, a lot of great products out there on a local or regional basis who could grow um, finding retail partners and, and, and finding the, a like retail partner on the East coast. If you're on the West coast, if you're in the Midwest, in the South, and they're out there. I mean, there are a lot of differences in the larger chains, but there's a lot of smaller chains and, of course, independents, whatever, that, that mirror. They may be tending toward health food. They may be tending toward frozen or even discount, whatever they're doing. But to grow that, you know, to grow that and the information that you can supply, obviously, that, you know, again, you were talking about the, the buyer stack. Yeah, absolutely perfect, uh, perfect fodder for going in and talking to somebody about why you should take our product on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. good. Um, so let's just real quick talk about um, the challenges of the pandemic, what it presented, um, whether or not it was actually probably beneficial, um, silver lining to a dark cloud. But h- how did you work through it and how did it affect you? Yeah, well, like many, when the pandemic hit um, from a business standpoint, 
the business plan was thrown out the window really the 2020 <laughs> business plan just <laughs> went what? Yeah, I think everybody started from scratch when that hit. So, you know, we were in the same position uh, in, initially as a lot of people were. Uh, and to be honest, um, even though there is a, you know, a silver lining, uh, certainly uh, for our business, initially, it was it was three to four months of, of more or less a spending freeze uh, initially. Yeah, yeah. It was really scary. I mean, you know, at that, at that point, I had you know, we have a team, we have a full-time team to, to support and, um, and all the things and supply, I mean, as you know, supply chains just combusted. And, and at the time the issue was not, you know, it was either I can't get my, I can't get enough products to sample or my products are flying off the shelf and I there's not even enough products. I I'm right. Shelf. I don't have time to <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need any free ones. Sample right now. Exactly. Exactly. That was more or less the first three to four months of the pandemic. So, um, and so, you know, as all businesses had to do, we, we got creative. And so the first thing that we did during that, in that first four months where, you know, retail was just kind of more or less imploding, um, was we, we looked, you know, we know we're good digital, digital marketers. Like we know, we know how to do that. So, um, we opened up a digital sampling channel, fully digital. So what that means for, for, and it's still existing today. I mean, it's a still service um, that our customers use. This is great for brands that are not in retail, right? That are just selling on their right. right. Um, and so we can now uh, sample, we can send our community members um, to their website to claim a free trial on their.com. Uh, right. So moving them to the digital shelf, if you, if you will, sure. uh, the retail shelf. Um, and so that, that was, you know, we did that, knocked that out in record time, three months, the engineering team worked on that. And then we started working with a lot of emerging brands around that. And, and that felt really good because uh, last year, I mean, very few brands got new products on the shelf, right? But they all oh, yeah. were launching new products online and trying to get, you know, discovery and trial and exposure through, through direct to consumer channels. Um, and so that, that was, that was a great new product that we launched or a new service that we launched. And then uh, in about July, we started seeing kind of things, you know, people had had their meetings, people got their supply chains a little bit stabilized and they were ready to. Felt to, like we could grow maybe a little more. Exactly. Yeah. There was a, there was, there was, there was a bit of a turning corner there. And, and so our business started um, really picking up at the retail level actually, because at this point, I mean, in-store demos were not, we're still not, you know, back in action in 2020. Uh, consumer trade, sh consumer shows or events were oh, also on yeah, yeah. And so uh, really the, a lot, a lot of brands kind of came to us saying, Hey, so you can drive discovery and trial for my product at retail in a, in a COVID friendly manner. Like there's no open air sampling. I can just, you know, it's a full size, fully enclosed product. Uh, and yeah, I'll shift my in-store demo budget to you or I'll shift my consumer trade show budget to you. So we saw massive growth in the back half of last year. We had to scramble to hire more people, um, which was a huge blessing, of course. Um, That's and, okay, yeah. Uh, and so we actually, we, we, named, we named our product uh, the digital demo um, because we, was just, we just kept having that, you know, uh, our customers really saying, it's like you're an alternative to an in-store demo. And so, um, yeah, so 
Fair enough. So that's the silver lining for us, but it was, it was nerve wracking in the beginning for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And glad that you were able to get something, you know, again, out of it in, in additional service and, and pivot because people who didn't pivot, it was really, really bad, you know, just. Yes. Just- Awful. A true test of entrepreneurship for so many people. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's also uh, so have so blessed to be one of the businesses that actually had a choice of creativity because there's many that didn't. That didn't. Yeah. Yep, it's true. Uh, speaking of entrepreneurship, um, we always try to get our guests to share some common wisdom with their fellow entrepreneurs. We call it words to grow by, and uh, it has its own blog now, as a matter of fact, too. So it'll, it'll show up there as well as show up on here. Um, can you give us one word or one phrase, a quote or a topic, whatever that you, you think is important to share with fellow entrepreneurs? I'd love to. So my, my phrase is very near and dear to my heart, and it is profit with purpose. Okay. Excellent. Go ahead. You can expound profit. For oh, purpose, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, so profit with purpose is really, I, it's a, it's a personal mantra of mine, a professional mantra of mine. Um, and it really tell it to me, it means that you can use business as a force for good. You know, I've always, always linked my business to this, this bigger picture of helping grow the, the green economy and making green mainstream. And, um, and so it doesn't need to be a choice, right? There's so, and and I have right. the privilege of working with hundreds now, over 500 brands that also have made that choice to introduce a better, more sustainable, non-toxic, you know, whatever, whatever their angle is, but it's a better version of a conventional product um, out there. And in many ways, I almost see it as, you know, it's, it's another way of kind of donating to a cause. Like, using your, using your dollars to, to, to purchase these types to make of it, products yep. and services. And so, um, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur that has that, that mission baked into your product or service, like you are doing good by providing your product and service. And so you are profiting with a purpose you, um, and what a meaningful way to live your life. I mean, you've right. totally aligned right. your, your work with your values. I know that's what brings my team so much joy in, in, in the day to day. Uh, and so that just is, yeah, it's, it's my mantra and I've made, you know, I've, it's also been kind of a a guiding, um, principle for me where, you know, I've refused investment dollars that haven't been aligned with, you know, that, that that, that I have. And, um, you know, we only focus on better for you products. We do not take on, um, you know, products that don't meet our values. So, but that has served us well, that focus has served us well. So. Yeah. Profit with purpose is my North star. And you're with good, good company, which is great. So folks, be sure it's socialnature.com. You can get more information and Lee will be happy to talk to her staff, talk to you about opportunities. And, uh, and probably if you want to sign up as a, you know, a, a sampler, you can probably do that too and put your information in. So uh, it's all good stuff. We really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And uh, look you. forward, we'll be, we'll be talking to you about some opportunities and we'll get you back on the show down the road, talk about where this all goes. Love it. Thanks so much. Hey, you bet. Thank you. Thanks to all the rest of you for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, part of the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or in health and wellness, you should be part of the Next Level Brands community. Education, resources, workshops, founder coaching, and networking. More information available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's. 
what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at Next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.